Good evening, church. Good evening. Good evening. Um, I'm Ezra. But Ezra is easier to remember. Uh, thank you, Pastor, for your gracious hospitality. And thank you, church, for accepting us, feeding us so well. Uh, the food has been so tasty. We carry some home, and we are not even able to finish the ones that we've gone home with. <laughs> um, I'm married, and I have five kids. Uh, Ezra was born in a Seventh-day Adventist family, and uh, I was faithful to my church, singing in the choir, uh, uh, observing the Sabbath, I was a great Christian, I thought, until I found myself deep in sin, doing alcohol, doing drugs and alcohol. I was a high school teacher, earning good salary, and I was comfortable. But because of my drinking problem, I was kicked out of the teaching job. And I became so hopeless, unable to feed my family. And my wife collected all the children and left, saying she could not stay under the same roof with a stupid, hopeless drunkard who cannot put food on the table. So, miserable as I was, one evening I was sitting outside my house. The whole world had collapsed before me. My next option was to drink poison and die. That's when the man of God, the missionary, supported by health ministry, knocked at my door. But know what first? He found me dead drunk. I couldn't listen a thing. He tried all he could to preach to me. Disappointed, he prayed over me. After a few weeks, I believe his prayers sustained me. Because when he came back, I was in a better state of mind. Mm. He told me, Ezra, God loved the world so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ. So whoever believes yeah. of Jesus Christ, and eternal life is you. Ezra, God can change your situation. God can bring back what you had lost. At that particular time in my life, I needed somebody to comfort me. I needed a shoulder to lie on, to lean on. 
and went on and on, Romans 6, 23, Romans 3, 23. I told him, man of God, I need this Jesus you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I'm ready to surrender my life to him. Because I'm ready for eternal life. I've done enough under the sun. That very moment, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. Amen. I followed the man of God to church. I was baptized. I became his errand boy in the, in the church. And you know what? After only two weeks, my wife heard that my life has changed. And she came back. Amen. Amen. All the children and she also gave her life to Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, churches in America. Some of you may think that your giving is insignificant, your prayers are not necessary, but I would not have been who I am today had somebody not prayed. Had somebody not sacrificially given, I would have not had the gospel. Yeah. Had the man of God not come to knock at my door two times. Yeah. Thank you. Churches like you who support missionaries who preach the truth around the world. I have started five churches. By the way, I was not saved a long time like most of you. I was saved in the year 2000. In the year 2009, the Lord called me to preach the word of God. Amen. I have a ministry in prison. And three other churches in the mainland. And one church in the island of Victoria. We realized for the first time in my life, I realized that there are parts of Kenya that people live and they've never had the gospel. Yeah. We went there. We made a daring <coughs> attempt to go there, cross the lake. We stayed there for three or uh, four days without water, without electricity. We, ne we never had a generator, no proper food. But after three, only three days, God saved 17 They are still under tree. Amen. I want your prayers. Because I have made up my mind to preach the word of God Amen. until I breathe my last. Because I'm one person who was taken to the mortuary alive. How did that happen? One evening I was drunk and I was staggering home, singing and cursing the wall. When all of a sudden I slipped and fell into a ditch, head first, and I passed out. When the police were doing rounds that night, they saw somebody lying down there in a ditch and they thought I was dead. They lifted me 
put me in the truck and took me to the mortuary. I do not know how long I stood there. But when I woke up, with my eyes still closed, I felt my surroundings and touched something cold. <laughs> I quickly opened my eyes and looked around me and realized that I was in a very unfamiliar ground. <laughs> bodies all around me. I sprang to my feet and looked around and I saw somebody standing at the end of the building, uh, next to the, the door, over there. He was the mortuary attendant. And I ran to him as fast as my legs would carry me towards him. And he saw me coming to him, and he fled through the other door directly, <laughs> shouting that somebody had come back to life. Help me! <coughs> Folks, I made up my mind to quit alcohol that day. <laughs> but you know what? I could not. Because I was under bondage. He took the hand of Jesus Christ, our Savior, yes. to break the chains of alcohol and set me free. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So I need your prayers. Kenya is open for the gospel. You can preach all you want. We preach in moving buses. We preach in offices. We preach in marketplaces everywhere all the time. Mm. But we do not know how long this door will remain open. Yeah. It is raised against time. My prayer is to start at least two churches every year for the next five years. Yeah. God willing. I covet your prayers all the time. Back at home, we walk to church a lot. We walk to church. So, um, every member of the church must carry his food so that at the end of the service, we put the food together because I do not want to dismiss people. They have walked two miles to church. Yeah. And then after church, they walk another two miles into the belly. So uh, we have to feed, you know, we eat together. And we realize from last year that as we gather to eat, kids, very many kids connect themselves at the door of the church, looking at us. And we invite them in to come and eat with us. And it became a common practice. But each time we gather to eat, a group of children come to join with them. Then we wanted to know where these children are coming from, what's happening. Then we realized that these children have no proper homes, they have nowhere to stay, and uh, the church said, all right, we have to do something about this. So the church decided to make food every morning so that they become and feed Us, we can minister to them, we can pray with them, we can lead them to the Lord. And then the child says, Okay, we, we want these children to be with us. We are ready. We want them, we can talk to them and we can receive them, we can care for them. Then we collected money, and then we bought, we bought two acre plot for which we want to put up a building to have.
to this case. We need your prayers. It may be difficult for you and me, but with God, all things are possible. Thank you so much. I have a lot to talk about. But all I need is your prayers. God bless you. Amen. 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 Thanks, uh, both of you guys. And uh, how, how about that song? Amen. Wasn't that good? And Patrick, I, I, I told a few folks this. My brother Patrick has never had any piano lessons. Uh, he can't read music. He taught himself how to play, and uh, and he plays by ear. I mean, you know, he's getting—he's all right, you know. I mean. If you got some lessons, you might be able to play that thing. I'm just kidding. That was outstanding. Amen. That was outstanding. And then I want to just comment a little bit about both of these men. Brother Caesar has just been a real blessing. Uh, thank you for supporting. Uh, you probably, unless you worked in the office and worked in the ministry, there's no way you could know how significant he is to the staff, to our staff, and uh, what a blessing he's been. And so thank you. Thank you for uh, realizing the importance of that, and uh, does a tremendous job. You pray for he, he and his family. When you set out to do something for God, <laughs> everything that can go wrong in life goes wrong. And uh, they sure had their battles these last few years. And uh, But as he said, thank you for your special love offering that you gave. And then uh, then the, the good testimony of Brother Ezra. Uh, what a blessing. Appreciate these men. I, I said it last night, but all, all of the guys weren't here. Just we appreciate what you guys do. Amen. Uh, the sacrifices that you make. And it's an honor. It's an honor. Uh, we're going to do everything we can here to help you. Amen. But you guys, you guys are doing the real work. And uh, we're going to pray for you. And you're living in circumstances that we really don't understand. That we don't know anything about. But we're going to pray for you. We're going to do what we can to help you. Uh, but ultimately, God's going to be your helper. Amen. And uh, he's going to be your provider. He's going to be your sustainer. Turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter number 8. Acts chapter number 8. And I hope that uh, church members here will be praying about what God would lay upon your heart to give this upcoming missions year to Faith Promise Missions. I've shared this before. My wife and I started giving to Faith Promise Missions uh, immediately after we got saved. And a preacher came in and preached a conference and uh, challenged us to give, and we've been giving every year uh, since that time, and, and that was in 1994. We've not been able to increase every year, but nearly every year we've been able to increase by faith our giving, and God has blessed us beyond measure. So I encourage you to to pray about it. If you've been accustomed to giving, continue to do so. If you've not been accustomed to doing it, try the Lord out. Amen. Prove him out and see if he won't open the windows of heaven. Mm. Pour you out a blessing. If you found your place in Acts chapter 8, would you stand with me, please? Familiar passage of Scripture, and I, I want to I speak tonight on this thought that there's nothing like the gospel. There's nothing like the gospel. Acts chapter 8 and verse number 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south under the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went. 
And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said unto, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opening not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came into a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the gospel. And Lord, there's nothing like it. This week, we're going to hear over and over and over again the life-changing power of the message of Christ. We heard it tonight. We see it in this text. Lord, all of us that, that are here and know you as Lord and Savior, we've personally experienced it. We know for a fact that it's real and that it works and that it changes and affects not only us, but those around us. And not for a short time, but Lord, for an eternity. And would you do a work in our hearts tonight? Thank you for meeting with us. Thank you for the singing of these men and the testimonies of both of these men tonight. Pray your blessings upon them now. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated, please. Acts chapter 8 is a pivotal chapter in the Bible. It's where the early church carries the gospel from Jerusalem and takes it throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Now, great persecution is carried out against the church, and certainly the enemies of the church thought that this persecution would hinder uh, the spread of the gospel, but it had just the opposite effect. The persecution actually propelled the gospel to the regions beyond. The fierce winds of persecution merely picked up the seeds of the gospel and carried them elsewhere. These seeds were planted. Someone watered and then God came along and gave the increase. But also tucked away into this text is one of the most, in my opinion, amazing accounts, a biblical accounts in all of scripture, that of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. It shows God's concern for lost souls, but more importantly, it shows God's concern for individual people. As God would pull Philip away from the midst of a great revival and send him and dispatch him to go to the desert, and no doubt Philip probably wondering in his mind, what in the world is God up to? But God directed his path to send him out there just to find one person. You know, and that's, that's the story of the Bible. It's, uh, it's about people. There are folks that study astronomy. 
They make it their life's goal, their life's work to study the stars. And they are amazing. I mean, they, I, I love to look at them. I love to, to consider them and even to, to ponder the vastness of the universe and, and the, crea- the creation of God. But God really gives us a lot of detail about that thing when he says it like this in Genesis. And he made the stars also. He gets five words, but then he's going to spend a whole chapter about a harlot named Rahab. And he's going to spend many verses about an Ethiopian eunuch and chapters about the woman at the well. And people here and people there see this book. It's not about the stars. This thing is about people. And God is going to give us insight to what's important to him. And what is important to God is people. Here we have an unusual person. A eunuch of Ethiopia, under Candace, the queen. He's great responsibility, but uh, you know you can read commentaries and folks will try to talk away, talk down what he really was. But the Bible, I believe, plainly says it time and time again that, that he was a eunuch and we, we understand what that means. As a eunuch, uh, he, he, many, many ancient Middle Eastern rulers preferred their high officials be eunuchs believing that without families, their loyalty to the ruler would be undivided. So this is why this this would take place. So that this person would never be able to have a family. They would never have any other thing to worry about. They would put all of their, of their, their life, all of their zeal, all of their effort into the service of this person that they were under. The Ethiopians were looked upon as the meanest and most despicable of all the nations or or, or one of the lowest during this time. Imagine now he had gone to Jerusalem to worship and uh, and given the culture of the Jewish society, uh, let's just imagine what kind of uh, welcome he would have been received with when he came into Jerusalem. Number one, being Ethiopian. Number two, being a eunuch. According to the laws of Scripture, the laws of Moses in in Deuteronomy, uh, because of his situation, he would only have been able to go up to the gate. He would have never been able to go on into the temple. He couldn't become a full Jewish proselyte. He would be permitted to be a God-fearer or a proselyte of the gate. But that's as far as he would have been able to have gone when he went to Jerusalem. Now he goes to Jerusalem to worship. He has a heart for God. He's looking for the truth. Christ has just been crucified. Perhaps he heard something. uh, Who knows what caused him to make the journey. But he's making the journey, I believe, uh, because he's looking for the truth. And he's gone there to worship. And he comes back with something. He has a scroll. So the prophet Isaiah. And he's on his way back home. And we look to our text, and the Bible says, let's see, where are we? Uh, uh, verse 27, he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch, great authority. Verse 28, he was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. The spirit said to Philip, go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah. Now I want to just mention, there's three, for someone to be saved, really I believe there's three things that are necessary for the conversion of a soul. Number one, you need a messenger. Someone to take the message. For, in order for somebody to be saved, somebody has to take the message. 
Now, D.L. Moody once, once asked a man about his soul, and the man replied, it's none of your business. And D.L. Moody said, oh, yes, it is my business. Then the man exclaimed, well, you must be D.L. Moody. You know, it's every Christian's business to share the gospel with others and to do it without fear or, or apology. You know, he doesn't ask Philip to give him some critical remarks upon the words and phrases and idioms of the language, but to acquaint him with the general scope and design of the prophecy to furnish him with the key to, that, that he might be able to understand who he's speaking of. Is he talking about himself or is he talking about someone else? You need a man. Well, then you need a manuscript. You need a copy of the Word of God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And we have both of those here. He's reading a copy of the Word of God. But I, I don't know if you've thought about this. I know it's possible, and I've talked to a few folks that have done it. But if, you, if someone just gave you a Bible and just left you to the Bible and you picked that thing up in Genesis and began to read it, how long do you think it'd take your preacher to figure it out? I'm not saying you couldn't ever figure it out and God couldn't use his word because I believe he does and I believe he has. But according to, this was an intelligent man. And when, when Philip asked him, do you understand what you're reading? He, he said, how can I except some man should guide me? This is a tough thing to understand. And now he's reading Isaiah the prophet. We've got the whole thing. It's a lot easier for us now than it would have been for him. But three things you need. You need a man with a message. You need a manuscript. And what else do you need? Probably, maybe, maybe the most important part of it. Somebody that's lost. Amen? So in order for somebody to get saved, you only need really three things. You need a word of God. You need a copy of the Bible. And you need somebody that has a message. And then you just need to find somebody that's never been saved. And guess what you got? You can have a little revival meeting right there. And that's the only thing that's necessary. A man, a manuscript, and a lost person. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to dividing the sunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. This man, this manuscript, this lost person. I was sharing with, uh, I think, Brother Singh the other night. Uh, there, there's, a, there's a couple things. Just one other thing I want to pull out of this text. Uh, three things that I believe that this Ethiopian eunuch never forgot. I believe he never forgot the person. I believe he never forgot the place. And I believe he never forgot the portion of Scripture. Now, can you imagine years later when someone would ask him, hey, when did you come to the knowledge of Christ? When did you get saved? He said, oh, man, I'm telling you, man, I don't remember what day it was. I don't, maybe I don't know what the date was. I don't know what the day of the week was. But I'll tell you what, there was a guy that was dispatched that came out there and the dude ran our chariot down. His name was Philip. And he came out there. Now, I'll tell you what else I remember. I remember that I was in the chariot. And I was headed back to Ethiopia. And I had left Jerusalem. I'd gone there to worship and I was headed back. And, I, and I'll tell you something else I bet he never forgot was the portion of Scripture that he was reading, that, that part of Isaiah where he was reading. I bet he never forgot that. If you're here tonight, you ought to be able to go back to those three things. If you can't go back to those three things, you ought to be able to. 
He never forgot the person, the place, the portion of Scripture. He's reading Isaiah the prophet, and the Spirit tells Philip to go join himself. And at verse 30, Philip runs. Now he's running, the chariot doesn't stop. All through most of this, the chariot continues to move. And Philip's is running alongside of him. And so he's running alongside the chariot. He said, hey, understandest thou what thou readest? Can you imagine? Here's a guy of great authority. I mean, here's a man under Candace the queen. Uh, he is a, he's high up in society. Now, if you were that man and you're sitting in your chariot and you're in control of all the money and, uh, and, uh, and the treasure of the queen and some nut comes running up beside you, who, who knows what he might have looked like if he's been running for all those miles and he runs up beside you and said, hey, Hey, do you understand what you're reading? What I just said, who, get out of here, man. Who in the world do you think you are? But no, he humbled himself. And he said, how can I? It speaks to the character of this man. And he was earnestly seeking. Many folks would have dismissed Philip and said, maybe they thought he was going to, I think part of the reason why the chariot didn't stop because it was customary during these times that they would get robbed and so they, would, you know, they wouldn't stop. And so they keep going. So Philip's running alongside of him and they're having a conversation. And then they jump up. He jumps up in the chariot, but the chariot keeps moving. We see that in the text. He says, how can I except some man should guide me? And, and the Bible says Philip jumps up in the, in the chariot with him. He says, and, and Philip, that he would come up and sit with him. Verse 31. Now, the other thing that I love about this is the providential hand of God. Now, Isaiah is a tough book to read. But if you was to pick a chapter in Isaiah that you wanted somebody to be reading when you was to come up on them to share the gospel, which chapter would you pick, preacher? You'd pick 53. I mean, he was at the very place. Just perfect. God had it ordained perfectly when God said, Hey, Philip, I want you to go out there and find him. At that point, he was probably like chapter 50 or something or 49. And God knew he was going to be at 53 by the time Philip got there. And when Philip gets there, he's right there where the Lord knew he was going to be. And he can't figure out who he's talking about. Is Isaiah talking about himself? Or is he talking about somebody else? And I love this part. This was the part. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. Now Christ had just been crucified. And like a lamb dumb before his shearer. So opening not his mouth. Remember we talked yesterday morning about the sacrifice that Abel made. And the importance of the sacrifice. It was building to this. Important stuff. In his humiliation, verse 33, his judgment was taken away. He said, preacher, what does that mean? It means this, that he didn't get a fair trial. 
Judgment was taken away from him. Had he gotten a fair trial, he would have never been convicted because he did nothing wrong. There was no guile. There was nothing that he did that warranted being crucified, but the judgment that he should have gotten was taken away so that he could die on a cross and give his life for all of us and pay the sin debt for the whole world. That's the scripture that he was trying to, trying to figure out. And Philip took the opportunity with that scripture. And the eunuch said, 34, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth. You know, sometimes, church, you just have to do something. You have to open your mouth. We open our mouths about everything. But sometimes you've got to open your mouth. And Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on the way, they came to a certain water. Now, here's another thing. <laughs> I mean, it's just amazing, preacher. They're in the desert. Guess what you don't have in the desert? You don't have water. But guess where they just landed right at the time that they needed it? Oh, hey, there's some water. Here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? In the desert. God can provide a baptismal pool in the desert. Philip said, if thou believest. And he said some marvelous words. <laughs> the old eunuch. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. See, all this time, the chariot's never stopped. It stops here to be baptized. He commands the chariot to stand still. They went down both into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. <laughs> it's an amazing story. Amen. There's nothing like the gospel. That's right. See, what he couldn't find when he went looking in Jerusalem, what he couldn't find in the prophet Isaiah, what he couldn't find in the Old Testament law, what he couldn't find from the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, what he couldn't find from the priest, he found it in Jesus. Amen. Because that's what Philip preached unto him. Amen. And only the gospel does that. That's right. Only the gospel will take someone who's so hooked on a substance that he loses his family, he loses his job, he loses all hope, he's going to take his life. And the only thing that changed the story Amen. 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 Try it. <laughs> See, this gospel changes the story yes. around the world. Amen. And there's nothing else. There ain't nothing like it. This next little part 
I wished I would have seen this on my own, but I didn't. I was somewhere recently and somebody mentioned it to me. And I'm going to share it with you. Probably as smart as you guys are, you've already seen it. Here, here was the thought. Now, if you were the eunuch, if you were the eunuch, and you'd been reading Isaiah's prophet, and you read up to chapter 53, and while you're reading chapter 53 and you're trying to figure out what's going on, miraculously, God sends a messenger and the dude runs your chariot down. He delivers the gospel. He preaches Jesus to you. He baptizes you. And then like a whirlwind, he's gone, disappearing nearly out of thin air. And you go on your way rejoicing on your way back to Ethiopia. Do you suppose that he might have just went ahead and read the rest of it? I mean, let's just suppose that he didn't stop at 53. Now remember, as a eunuch, when he would have gone to Jerusalem, he wouldn't have been able to enter the temple. He would have gone to the gate. He couldn't have become a full Jewish proselyte. He would have never been accepted in Jewish culture and society. He was Ethiopian. He was a eunuch. Let's just suppose that he he kept on reading. Would you look in Isaiah 56 with me? Isaiah 56. Isaiah 56 and verse number 1. Thus saith the Lord, keep ye judgment and do justice, for my salvation is near to come, and my righteousness to be revealed. Blessed is the man that doeth this, and the son of man that layeth hold on it, and keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it, and keepeth his hand from doing any evil. Neither let the son of the stranger that hath joined himself to the Lord speak, saying, The Lord hath utterly separated me from his people. Neither let the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. For thus saith the Lord unto the eunuchs that keep my Sabbath and choose the things that please me and take hold of my covenant, even unto them I will give in mine house, and look at this, and within my walls a place and a name better than of sons and of daughters. And I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. (laughs) <laughs> now you know the only you know the only thing that does that That's right. Amen. only the gospel does that if he had a revival when Philip left he had another one when he stumbled across this scripture and he saw hey one day what I didn't get to go in this time but one day I'm going to have a place inside I'm going to be treated just better than the sons and the daughters and I'm not and and I'm going to I'm not going to be a dry <laughs> Amen. Think of it now. Amen. Think of it. Yeah. A special message tucked away right there for him. Yeah, it's good. Amen. In Isaiah 56 God knows what he's doing. Amen. He knows what everybody needs. Everybody needs the gospel. And there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. 
You want to change lives? You want to do something big? You can't do anything bigger than taking the gospel, getting a hold of the word of God, and finding somebody that doesn't know the truth and opening your mouth. Will you stand with me, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the testimony of Philip or the account of the eunuch. Lord, do a work in our hearts. We'll be quick to praise you for it. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Pastor, would you come, please? Amen. How many of y'all thankful for the gospel? Somebody raise your hand this tonight if you were saved at a, as a child with the gospel. Would you raise your hand as a child? That's great. How about as a teenager? You got saved as a teenager. Amen. How about a young adult? Let's say 20s. Amen. How about 30-year-old? 30, between 30 and 40. Amen, Brother Milford. How about between 40 and 50? How about between 50 and 60? Man. How about between 60 and 70? Some of you need to get down to this altar tonight. <laughs> Did I miss age? Y'all get down here. Some of y'all need to saved. Amen? No, aren't you glad for the gospel? I'm sure you understood Brother Ezra, but he uh, was so helpless and hopeless in life, he was getting ready to take poison and, and die. And it's at that particular moment, just so happened when we were talking over there on the table, at the table eating, he said, I know that Brother the brother that works with Help Ministries was led to him. I believe so. How about y'all believe he was led to him? And you know what? Aren't you glad? What was his name, brother? Charo? A brother of Char. I want to guarantee you right now, brother Char had the right message. He had the message of the gospel. So I'm going to ask you a question tonight. How many of y'all would allow the Lord to help you to get extremely excited about the gospel? Let's ask God to help us. And uh, maybe we're uh, praying for someone. How, can we do this? I know this is a little different, but, you know, we got this fall festival coming up at the end of the month. It's a big one. I mean, we get a lot of visitors. How about we have a group of folks tonight just come around an old-fashioned altar, and let's just pray that God, because the gospel is going to be given at the fall festival. Uh, Miss Charlotte and uh, Miss Kimberly, is that right? They're going to be giving the gospel to every child that their face is painted. With the wordless book. So I'm going to ask you, would you come around the altar tonight? And let's just pray that God will bless. And we know we don't know who God will bring through those doors, but we know God, we're going to trust him to see souls saved. Aren't you glad we have the gospel? And then let's pray for these men, that God will bless them and bless them and their families as they try to give out the gospel to their people. So they're going to begin to play. Why don't you come? Church family, find a place. Let's pray for the fall festival. Let's pray for these men. Maybe you have someone in your heart tonight. Let's pray. You say, what do they need? They need the gospel. They need, they need the story of Jesus Christ. He changes lives. Let's pray for these for Kimberly and Miss Palmer at the Fall Festival to be given the gospel through the wordless book. Let's pray for these missionaries that God would bless them as they go forward and they preach and they get to go back home. I'm praying that they'll be able to have a little bit more 
substance to help them in their, with their family and their needs. close in prayer, I believe this would be safe to say, and all these men are standing here, but you know, the Bible teaches that necessity, Paul talked about necessity was laid upon him. You know what that passage means? That he was going to do it whether he, he was, he was going to do it. And I believe these men understand that principle. They were already serving the Lord before they met Help Ministries. They're already doing it. They're already starting churches. They're already Serve the Lord. I believe they all realize necessity has been laid upon them. But it would be good that we could help them. That's what we're talking about. Helping. And uh, so these men, I pray you'll get exactly what God wants you to have while you're here. Amen. And I appreciate y'all. I'm honored that y'all are here with us. And I'm glad all of you were able to be here. And Lord willing, I'm planning on seeing all of y'all on Monday and Tuesday morning at the conference next week. And so we're honored all of you here. Let's pray together. Don't forget the offering, church. Go by, put it in the box, and we need to work something out. We need to have offering plates taken tomorrow. So we have a few men ready for that. We'll do that Tuesday and Wednesday night. And uh, But don't miss it. The box is right back there. Just put it right in there. And everything that comes in tonight goes to help com- help meetings, help ministries to these men. And we want to we want to be a very special blessing. So, don't forget about that. Don't forget the the box. Let's pray, Heavenly Father. We thank you again for your goodness. We thank you for your grace, and Lord, we thank you for the gospel. Lord, I'm thankful that I had a mother, as a five year old boy, shared the gospel with me. And Lord, I do. I, I remember the place. I remember the time. I don't remember the exact date. We have it wrote down in the Bible. You know that, but. Lord, I remember there was a day that I trusted you as my Savior. And Lord, I remembered when she told me that I deserved hell, but because you love me, you paid my price. And you died on that old rugged cross for me. And Lord, on that third day, you raised from the dead. And Lord, I want to just thank you for saving my old worthless soul. And I pray that you'll help us to go out from this place. And Lord, I pray you'll help us to give the gospel. Lord, I pray for our fall festival. You'll bless the gospel. Lord, even if someone doesn't get saved at the fall festival, Lord, that uh, you will uh, use the, the tracks and the information that they have, the gospel on printed literature. So, Lord, we ask you to do only what you can. We ask it in Jesus' name and all God's people say it. Let's have our missionaries, if y'all are okay with it, go to the back and let folks shake your hand if you want to give them a minute to get back there. Brother Ron, thank you so very much. The message was very, very helpful. God used you tonight. 
And uh, Brother Ron can go to the back if you want to. If not, you can stand around here. You're kind of like home folk around here, so you can do what you want.